Hello, my name is John Smetanka, and the name of our program is With Respect. Today on With Respect, we have two very special guests, Evelyn Taylor, who is a young woman who is also a reader. And she's uh, tied into our other guest, Ben Gooderson, who is an author. And they're tied together because Evelyn has just finished reading Ben's book called Winter House. And we'll be talking with both of them about reading and about their interests and how they got into doing what they're doing. But I think you're going to find some very special things, especially if you have children or grandchildren. Uh, it's an entry into a world of magic. And we'll be right back on With Respect. Hi there, folks. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Good. Just great. Thank you. Good. Well, Evelyn, we're going to start with you. How old are you? I'm 10 three quarters years old. I'm in fifth grade at St. Bernard Academy in Nashville, Tennessee. How long have you been in that school? I've been at St. Bernard Academy since second grade. For three years, this you is like, my fourth one. You like it? But and and I moved here from Richmond, Virginia, when I was seven because of my dad's job change. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, your mom also is has her job, uh, had a job besides working with you, and she is a lawyer, isn't she? She was, but when she had me, she stopped. And now, she, and now she's a grant writer for a company called With Respect. The, no, sorry. Um, with, called Children's Hope Chest. Okay, With Respect is this show, but Children's Hope Chest is um, is a very interesting program. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. Ben, tell me about yourself. Well, I um, was born and raised in Seattle, Washington, and I live near there now with uh, with my wife. We have three three adult children who are out of the house. Um, I was a teacher for about ten years down in New Mexico and Colorado, and then I worked for Microsoft for many years, which is here in the Puget Sound area near Seattle. And um, but for the last three plus years, I've been a full time writer, mostly dedicated to writing children's books, and I really enjoy that. And, and like I say, I live near Seattle, about 35 miles east of Seattle in a little town called North Bend, which is sort of in the foothills of the Cascade Mountains. How did you get into teaching, and why? Well, you know, everyone in my family had been a teacher and educator at one time or another. I I had two wonderful parents who, uh, unfortunately, now passed away, and I have two brothers and two sisters, uh, great people, all older than I am, who at one point or another were all teachers themselves in one capacity or another, and I think I was really influenced by the the devotion to learning and scholarship that I saw in all the members of my family. And so in college, it was kind of a natural thing, I think, for me to be attracted to being a teacher, which, which I really enjoyed doing. Evelyn, do you like uh, do you like school? Yes, I do. Uh, what what about it do you like the most? I like learning things, especially things about history. I also and like I like books. seeing my friends every day. How did you start uh, liking books, or what what about books got uh, got you interested? I when I was young, there were books. Everywhere, I remember sitting in my high chair pulling a book towards me. Well, some people pull books towards them, and other people pull toys toward them, but why books? 
because I loved looking at all the pictures and learning things and just re- being re- able to relate to the books with my friends. Well, what about when you first started reading? Um, do you remember when it was that you first started reading? When I was about two years old, I read books like Very Hungry Caterpillar and Are You My Mother? My parents read me a book called My Rhinoceros so much, I actually memorized it, and at two years old, my parents thought I could read. But you couldn't. You were just repeating what they had read, right? Yes. Oh, well, that's fine. So after My Rhinoceros... Um, what else did your parents read to you? Do you remember? Over the years, my parents have read me classics such such as um, Trumpet of the Swan, mm-hmm. Heidi, and Treasure Island. Oh, I remember. And I've always loved reading book, fiction books. Like Word of Mouth in the Middle School series by James Patterson and books by Kate D. Camilla. Hmm. Ben, when did you decide that you wanted to go from being a teacher, which you were for how many years? For 10 years. When did you decide that you want to start writing? Well, you know, even when I was teaching and then even during my many years at Microsoft, I was always writing. Um, it was just something I, I enjoyed to do, and, and I would say for years I carved out about an hour a night, every night, day after day, and uh, it was very kind of my wife and my kids to be able to assist me to find that time uh, because I just I love to do it. I guess some people like to, you know, make something with carpentry or work on cars or whatever, and I just like to write every day. And uh, I kept writing and writing and writing and hoped it would turn into something. And and eventually I connected with a great agent, Rena Rossner, and a, a great publishing house, Macmillan, and uh, editor, Christy Ottaviano, and just great people. And somehow my nightly hobby of writing books turned into an actual published book. It just kind of amazed me. Are you doing things now other than writing, or are you a full-time writer? I'm a full-time writer. I, I spend... Uh, probably a minimum of two or three hours a day writing and as many as six or seven. So that's sort of my job, I guess, if you can call it that. It feels more like just uh, enjoyment every day to be able to spend my time writing. But, no, I don't I don't have any other job, per se, or have to show up in an office or anything like that. Okay, Evelyn, uh, other than reading, what do you like to do? In my free time, I like drawing, playing the piano, and sports like tennis and swimming. At school, I just started doing forensics, and recently I've enjoyed making funny videos with my friends. Hmm. you ever go to the movies? Yes, I love going to the movies. What, what, the, what kind of movies do you like? I like... I like The Secret Life of Pets because... I love animals, especially when an animal is a, the narrator. Mm-hmm. And what, do you have any pets yourself? Um, I have two dogs named Molly and Dandelion. They're toy poodles, and they're one and a half years old. Did you have... Any other pets? I mean, sometimes kids will have two, three, four, like a a gerbil or a a canary or a parakeet or anything like that. Did you have anything else besides dogs? When I was four, I got a guinea pig named Sadie, but just recently Sadie passed away. But I have two wonderful dogs. Well, now I'm going to start talking about Um, the book that you both have a connection with. It's called Winter House. Now, you read that book, um, but tell us about what it's all about. Okay, Evelyn? Um, 
Winter House is about an orphan girl named Elizabeth, and she loves books and word puzzles such as anagrams. She lives with her mean aunt and uncle, and they send her to a mysterious hotel, but she doesn't even know why. The hotel is interesting to her because it has a big library, but she also finds out that it has a curse on it. Elizabeth discovers secrets in the library and around the hotel. And even though she is cautious and alone, Elizabeth makes friends with a boy named Freddie, and they solve mysteries together. Now, did you... What was the part of this book that you really liked the most? Now, because there's all different parts. You've mentioned puzzles, and you've mentioned your his, your the uh, young lady's friend Freddie. So there was friendship there, and I hear about curses, and I don't know. This sounds kind of there's a whole bunch of things in this book that um, caught your attention. Yes. Um, probably my favorite part of the book was all the action and mysteries, and I took the the code that I learned in the book, the Viginier Cipher, which was a coded language used in the Civil War. Mm-hmm. I took the I made codes for my friends, and I made scavenger hunts and games. Now, those the scavenger hunts and uh, the Vigneri Code uh, is, uh, those are two in anagrams, um, but you took those out of the book and started doing it with your friends also? Yes. Well, so something came out of this beyond just reading the book. you It changed you a bit, right? Yes, it did. Now what, how do you think that book changed you a little? Every book changes somebody a little bit, but what about with you in this book? This book, it changed me to really know what the Virginia Cipher was. I had barely heard about it before I read this book, and I've always loved reading about things that don't actually happen, like ghosts in the library and spirits trying to destroy hotels, and I thought that it was really nice, and I thought it was really good that there was some learning in here. All books, most books have a nice story, but not all books have an interesting story and things that come out of it, such as learning about the Vigineer Cipher. Mm-hmm. I think the writing in this book was very creative. Obviously, you got a lot out of it. Uh, Yes. Now, what kind of books other than this book might you like to read? Because here, you know, I was looking, I was shopping with my granddaughter and her mom today, and I really had a fun time. This is her birthday coming up, and I wanted to uh, go with them to find out what kind of things my granddaughter wants. She's three years old. And it was fun to watch her go through the store and stop and look and take a choice and then said, no, since there's, this was four gifts, the four things that were for her birthday party, um, and she had to choose between all the wonderful things in the store and... Uh, what she actually wanted to make uh, come home with her. And so I, I learned a lot just watching her make choices and play with some of the toys and read some of the books 
while she was making that, uh, that choice. So do you think that you would read any more books like Winter House? Definitely. I've read a preview of the second book in the trilogy, and I'm really excited to get, get the next book. All right. All right, we're going to take a break right now. We're talking to Ben Gooderson, the author of Winter House, and Evelyn Taylor, who is a reader of Winter House. And we're trying to find out what it is that attracts people at a young age to start reading and what keeps their interest. And, you know, everybody's interested in something, uh, but in this case, we're talking about reading. So, we'll be right back on With Respect. This is John Smetanka. We're now back in With Respect with Ben Gooderson, the author of Winter House, and a reader, a fan of that book, Evelyn Taylor. This is John Smetanka. Now, Ben, let me shift to you. And why did you pick this particular sort of age group That uh, and what age group are you writing for? Well, Winter... Winterhouse is uh, what's called a middle grade book, um, and you know there are all sorts of designations for children's literature, and and um, a lot of people are familiar with what's called young adult, and young adult is really ages maybe thirteen to eighteen or thirteen and up, and middle grade is more what you would call ages eight to twelve, and I would say that books written for that age group, particularly some of the classics that I've really loved over the years, you know, when I was younger and then I shared with my own kids when they were growing up, books like Treasure Island and Wind in the Willows and Anne of Green Gables and Tom Sawyer and those kinds of books, I just I just loved them. I mean, I loved a lot of classics as well or, uh, that came along later, you know, Rolled Doll books and The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and so on. But so, so that, that age group, you know, most of the books I've just mentioned are really what you would would say are in that age group of what's designated as middle grade. So I, I think I was just really attracted to those kinds of books, and partly because I really believe that for myself personally, and I think for a lot of kids, that age range is when your love of reading either becomes solidified and you become a lifelong lover of books, or if you don't find the right books, you might not really be a reader for very much longer, or you might find a lot of other things uh, from there on that, that would draw your attention. But I think if you get into reading when you're around 8 or 10 or 12, you'll be a reader for the rest of your life. So I just thought it would be great to try to write uh, a book for that age group uh, that mm, hopefully maybe captured some of the magic of the, the books that, that I really loved. So that's kind of why I aimed it for that age group. I don't think I could write a book for younger kids, you know, like early chapter books. Um, uh, for some reason, that, that maybe just didn't have enough for me to really dig into as an author. And the older books, for ages 13 and up, they have a lot of elements of maybe danger and romance and so on that I didn't really want to get into more mature themes. Uh, I'm not putting any of those down, obviously. I just found for me personally, it just seemed like the right fit was the middle grade uh, age range. So that, that's what drew me to it. Now, when you taught school, what grades did you teach? Well, I taught 10th grade students on the Navajo Reservation in New Mexico for seven years. So they were a little bit older than the age I just mentioned. Uh, then I taught for three years at a small school in Colorado, and I had mostly middle middle school there. It was a very small school. It was a kindergarten through twelfth grade school, and um, and so that was or I was teaching kids who were about the age of the books that I'm talking about. So that was the ten years of of teaching that I did. So that gave you a chance to. Um, I, I'm not. Th this is the point I'm, I'm going to 
uh, try to make. It is difficult for somebody who is a grandparent, for example, to step back many decades and to remember what it was like to be a 10-year-old reader or a 5-year-old reader or even an 18-year-old reader. And putting yourself back into that age group, it can be kind of difficult, but, but you cut your teeth on the age group that you're writing for. Yeah, I think that's really true, having that exposure to kids that age. And, of course, raising my own while I was thinking about trying to write a book for that age group really helped a lot. But I'll tell you something. I think it's a really wonderful thing about being a writer that you can try your best to put yourself in the shoes of all kinds of people of whatever ages or whatever experiences. It's not an easy thing to do, and you have to be very careful about uh, the kind of stories you tell and, and, and where you want to try to imagine yourself being. But um, it was really a lot of fun and gratifying to sort of think back to being that age and have my the heroes of my book be a, a, a girl, you know, Elizabeth Summers, who's 11 years old, and her friend Freddie who's about the same age, and, and think about the experiences they would have being in this enormous magical hotel. Now, Evelyn, coming back to you, um, do you understand? I mean, does did the book appeal to you um, at some level uh, that is, um, I, for example, for example, uh, you like the puzzles, right? Yes. And you like the mystery, and yes. you like I I get it. What about the relationship between Elizabeth and Freddie? What is what is that like? I thought they had a very good relationship, and they were good friends, and it wasn't it wasn't like those fairy tales when the author says, "Oh, the two little bears go and play; they're happy forever." <laughs> the, this the characters were acting like they were real people. Well, they were in the book, but they weren't. They got into some disagreements, and they didn't always think the same, but they they acted how real 11 or 12-year-olds act. Did you uh, have any of your friends read Winter House? Not that I know of, but some of them said they want to read it. Okay. Now, you want to read the next book in the series. Uh, is that yeah. already published? I think so. All right. Well, at some point, we're going to have to come back and see after you've read the second book or maybe other books in the future. We'll have to see how you like the whole series. But uh, right now, uh, I'm interested in the part about magic. And there was some dark parts of this uh, of this book, weren't there? Yes, there were. Now, did that bother you? You're a 10-year-old, 10 and 3 quarters, pardon me, 10 and 3 quarter year old. And there was some dark parts. There was some not-so-nice people. Uh, did that scare you? No, it doesn't scare me since it's just fiction. If it was a real thing, I would probably be a little scared. But I know it's not real, and nothing can make it real. So I'm not scared at that stuff. Well, do you think that uh, reading... Uh, about these kids uh, that you feel you could identify with these kids, right? Yes. You think that that um, carries over that, you know, talking about the relationship between two friends, uh, one's a girl and one's a boy, but um, does that carry out into your regular life, to your high school, to your uh, uh, school life? Yes. Um, in my class, most of us are all friends, and and we don't care about other things. We just care about that we're friends, and that's that. And do you have disagreements with your friends at times? 
Yes, sometimes we do, but we always get over it, and in the end, we're all friends. Well, that's good. That's very good. How large a class do you have in school? How many kids are in that class? Last year, it was about 20, maybe closer to 30 kids, and this year, it's grown to over 40. Wow. All in the same classroom at the same time? There are four different classrooms. Okay, okay. So it's not quite all 40 people in one room at all, at all day long. No, there, there are usually about 10 or 12 people in each room. Now, what kind of things are you taking in school? What kind of courses are you taking in school? I'm learning about the years leading up to the Civil War and in social studies, mm-hmm. and I'm also learning about plants and ha- how the pollution is affecting the earth and science. Mm-hmm. Do they also teach you about re- about English and and how to write and how to um, uh, to ca- calculate, that is, uh, uh, mathematics. Do you also have that? Yes. Now, all of those things uh, come up in this book, don't they? That is yes, history they do. And math and, and uh, how to write English sentences and all that sort of thing, right? Yes. It... Do you think that, that, this, that this book is a... Uh, kind of a microcosm, a, com- com- a uh, compilation of all the things that you learn in school. It seems like it might be. Yes, I, fe- I feel like it is. There- I haven't learned about anagrams and word ladders in school, but I already knew what they were. But- and everything else about learning, I was technically learning in school. Okay. Now, um, some people in our audience might not know what an anagram is. So what is an anagram? An anagram is when you change the letters around in a word. For example, casual ants can turn into Santa Claus, and uh-huh. Santa Claus can turn into casual ants. Okay, just by moving the letters around from one place to the other. Yes. And then um, there's Vigneri's... Um, cipher. Tell a little bit about that. You said it was a code that goes back to the Civil War. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. actually. How oh, you sorry. Use it uh, is go ahead. You, <laughs> um, how, how you use it is you take the first letter in a word you're trying to spell, and you take a, the first letter in um, a keyword that you make up, and you um, kind of multiply them on a grid called the Vigneer Square. That it looks like a multiplication chart. So you multiply the those two letters, and then you multiply the next letter in the word you're trying to spell with the next letter as the keyword, and so on. Now, this is this is pretty tough stuff. I mean, I was went to school, and I loved history, and I uh, love fiction and, and a lot of different things, but I don't think I would ever be able to work that Vigneri's uh, <laughs> uh, cipher. Uh, so I admire you for being able to do that. Was it hard? Yes, but <laughs> when you know what to do, it's not that hard, but it's still challenging. All right. Well, we're going to take another break right now, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about about reading uh, as uh, as helping people uh, in life. And we'll be we're talking to Ben Gooderson and Evelyn Taylor, uh, an author and a reader of the same book. This is John Smetanka on with respect, and we'll be right back.
We're now back on With Respect with Ben Gooderson, an author of a book called Winter House, and Evelyn Taylor, a reader, 10 and 3 quarters years of age, and is now fluent in the Vigneri's uh, table and code, and, and it's uh, scary, the cipher, uh, because she's way ahead of me. But this is John Smetanka, and we're on the With Respect. Ben, I'm going to come to you now. You've watched young people uh, in your class, I'm sure, who started off uh, when the, the beginning of your 10 years of teaching, uh, and you watched them, at least at a distance, growing up uh, in reading and in studies and in life. Is that fair? Absolutely, John. What effect did you see of about reading, about any of the disciplines that are taught in school, what effect did they have on people's, on their kids' lives? Well, uh, just seeing students in classrooms and my own kids and, you know, just knowing lots of families and seeing young people as they grow and mature, I'm completely convinced that reading is really the foundation for a successful academic career and beyond. I just believe reading and a love of literature enriches people's lives so much. And I think you you see young people as they, they get more and more into reading and they and they acquire more facility with language and they they are exposed to more characters through the books that they read. They become more sensitive people. They learn how to express themselves more clearly. Um, they learn to, I think, be more sympathetic and compassionate to other people. B- books are such a gateway to understanding what other lives are about. I heard something recently. I don't know uh, to whom this quote ought to be attributed, but it was something about how books are, are like the greatest piece of magic because you can open one up, and it's like someone from hundreds of years ago is almost whispering in your ear and and telling you their thoughts, even though they lived in a different place and a different time. And when you think about it that way, you know, gosh, books really are are magical. And, and if, if you have the capacity and the patience and the, the aptitude to, to sit and, and soak that up through a good book, I really think you'll go far. So it's gratifying to see students and my own children uh, have that love of, of literature. And, and I can hear it in Evelyn's voice as well and, and all the things she expresses about all the kind things she says about Winterhouse and, and all the other books she's read. She's a real reader, and that's, that's really satisfying for, for someone like me to, to hear that. So it's, that's really great, Evelyn. I've Really love hearing all the wonderful things you say about the books you've read. Thank you. You know, my mother taught my brother and me about reading, but she said, and she was his teacher also, she taught uh, uh, early elementary school, second, third, fourth grades. And But she said something about books that I've never forgotten. She said, you know, when it's raining outside and you can't go out, when there's nothing interesting on television, when there's no uh, baseball, no sports to go to, and you're all alone, you aren't alone because you have your book, and your book is your best friend. When no one, no one else is around and you can't do anything else, there's always this friend that is a good book that you're into. And, and I think that that's true. I think so, too. It's absolutely true. Uh, I've definitely felt that way about many, many books throughout my life, that they are some of my best friends, and I return to them, and I think about them, and and they've given me so many great ideas and so much great guidance. I, I, I personally far prefer reading to any other form of entertainment, particularly because it's not passive. When I watch a movie or something like that, um, I sort of sit there and receive the story someone else is is showing me, and I hear everything. But when I'm reading a book, I feel like I'm in partnership with the writer because I'm I'm creating the the images in my head, and I'm hearing the voices of the characters in my head. So I feel like I'm I feel like I'm being very active in my mind when I'm reading a book, and I I really love that feeling. Now, Evelyn, you heard how he describes, how Ben describes 
what it's like to be a reader. Does that sound familiar to you? It definitely does. That's absolutely how I feel about reading. Mm. Now, Evelyn, this book was about uh, a young girl and her friend and this mysterious hotel and these very mysterious characters and a great plot. Um, Is that the only kind of reading you do? Because, for example, uh, I used to like to read science fiction, and I just love to go to the moon and to the stars and, and whatnot. And then other times I would like to read about things that happened many, many years ago, about uh, oh, dinosaurs and, um, and Roman civilization and all that sort of thing. So I had a lot of different areas that I was interested in reading about. Would you say that happens to you too? Yes, I like reading about World War II and the Who Was series. Mm-hmm. And do you ever, <laughs> I hate to say that, but do you ever read science fiction about flying to the moon or anything like that? I just finished, recent. I recently just finished a book called The Mostly True Adventures of Homer P. Sig, and it was about um, Homer was saving his brother from get, having to fight in the Civil War mm-hmm. because he was 16 and he wasn't allowed to go into the war until he was 17. But he got sold illegally there. Well, that's a topic that, you know, talking about going off to war or, uh, or you know, as you read in this book about uh, walking through the, the interesting halls and sometimes the dark halls of, of Winter House, um, you could just really get absorbed in that, couldn't you? Yes, I could. So... Ben, when you're writing a book, when you're writing this book, uh, this particular book and your others, how do you go about crafting the mystery and the the place? And this, this place almost came alive, uh, this winter house. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that because I, I did think about that a lot. I, I think I'm really drawn to settings that have a lot of opportunity for... Um, mysterious things to occur or for secrets to be divulged or discovered or, or dug into. And a hotel seems like a natural place. Uh, on the one hand, it's very welcoming. It's fun to be there, very festive to go to a nice hotel and all these floors and a lobby and all this fun. On the other hand, you know, there's a lot of space for like strange nooks and crannies where things might might happen that people or young people might want to look into. So I I find that really interesting that you mentioned about the hotel almost being like a a character because I really wanted to make it seem like that, that it had its own personality and all these interesting things going on all the time so that it felt like a real presence in the story rather than just a stage in which people performed actions. Um, so I, I, I just thought, I, I think I'm always drawn to mysterious things, and, and I like codes and puzzles. I like, I like trying to figure things out. So I like to embed a lot of that stuff in the books. And as, as Evelyn well noted, you know, with the anagrams and the word ladders and the visionary cipher and all these things, I, I just thought it would be really cool to have the kids look into all these things. I, I like I like wordplay a lot, and I've always liked word games, everything from, like, Scrabble and Hangman and oh, try to figure out words, I think, is always a lot of fun and play around with words. And she mentioned the casual ants anagram also in Winterhouse. Uh, at one point, I used the word astronomers, which should turn into moon starers, which I kind of like because that's sort of what, what astronomers are. They stare at the moon, at least sometime. And I found a few other really interesting anagrams like that. For instance, the words vacation time can turn into I am not active, which I think is kind of <laughs> funny. And also a decimal point can turn into I'm a dot in place, which is kind of a commentary on a decimal point. So I just find it kind of fun to look up these anagrams and think them up and 
and put them in in the book because um, Freddie and Elizabeth really bond and become closer friends because of their love of wordplay and their love of reading. Uh, even throughout Winterhouse, Elizabeth keeps mentioning all the books that she likes to read, and she will often comment like, oh, yeah, in Anna Green Gables this happened, or you know, in, in such and such a book this thing happened. So I wanted to... To, to really spotlight her love of all kinds of books. Uh, and, in fact, you know, Evelyn, uh, in one of the Winterhouse books, I'm not sure if it's the first one or the second one, Elizabeth does, does make a reference to one of the Mr. Lemoncello books. I think it might be in the second Winterhouse book called The Secrets of Winterhouse, because I read, the, I, read uh, I think there's two or three books in that series, and I've read them as well. I really like those books. Yes, I'm, I'm in the middle of the Mr. Lemoncello's Great Library Race right now. And in the first book, you did me- Elizabeth did mention the Mr. Lemoncello's Library. Okay, <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, now, both of you have um, talked about a little that there is a second book in this series which uh, is uh, already written and published, is it? That's right. It it came out actually December 31st, uh, last year, 2018. So it's been out for uh, eight or nine months now, I think. And then the third book in the series is called The Winterhouse Mysteries, and that comes out on December 31st of this year. So that will conclude the trilogy um but i yeah the, 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 that that wraps it all up so the, but what was the name of the second book the second book is called the secrets of winter house okay good so now elizabeth evelyn did you uh have you got that book yet no i really want to get it but i need to finish some books i'm reading for school before i can get that one well, that's always a good thing because i really want to read that book though well good mm-hmm. that's very good and here you're going to get a chance here how many people uh have you ever heard of evelyn who get a, ta- a chance to read a book and then talk to the author of that book <laughs> I don't know. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you both, it's a thrill for me to be able to talk to such an appreciative uh, young reader like you, Evelyn. So this is just as exciting for me. I I get to meet a lot of kids at schools around the country, but it's usually in in big groups and so on. So it's really fun for me to be able to to talk to you. So thank you for that. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you, I had a chance to... I was walking through a town in uh, the Czech Republic and with some friends who were lived there, and they took me through all around this town, and they came to a bookstore. And I loved the bookstores. I just love, you know, that, that um, when I was a kid, my mom would, uh, when she wanted to go shopping for clothes for herself or uh, her dad or whatever, I didn't like to look for clothes. I wanted to read books and so what they would do is they would plop me into the bookstore uh, of Marshall Fields, and I sat there for, I'm sure, hours reading about all different, you know, different things I like to read about. And uh, they didn't have to worry about me. I wasn't bored. And there was a, a nice clerk who used to watch me and make sure that nothing bad happened to me. But I was just totally absorbed with reading. So now... When I go into a bookstore, it's like heaven. It's absolute yeah. heaven. Um, and so uh, that is also true of the hardware store as well. But that's, that's another story. Now, we're going to take a break right now. And we're talking to Evelyn Taylor and, and also Ben Gooderson. They are joined together because Evelyn is a reader of his book, Winter House. And we've been talking about reading and about this book and his new books and when we come back we're going to talk about one more aspect before we run out of time this is john smetanka run with respect and we will be right back
We're now back on With Respect uh, with Evelyn Taylor, a 10 and three quarter year old reader of books. And one of the books is uh, written by Ben Gooderson, who is on this uh, program talking to, uh, to her and to me uh, about how he came about to write this book and other books. This is John Smetanka. So, there's got to be uh, something else that's going to flow from this, uh, Ben. You've gotten three books done. What follows from that? Well, uh, actually, I have the great pleasure of uh, embarking on writing two more books for Macmillan. Uh, I should say probably Holt Macmillan and deeper still, Christy Ottaviano Books is the line within there. Um, I will be having another book come out. Um, in, I think, about March or so of 2021, so in about a year and a half. Um, and it won't, it's not connected to Winterhouse. It's completely outside of the trilogy. It's a completely different book. But it's for the same age group or same age range, and um, it's called the Vista Point Einsteins, and it's about a family. Their last name is Einstein, and they live kind of in the Pacific Northwest, and they've had a family tragedy. They're kind of starting a new life. Uh, but in there, they, they, they start, they're trying to start a bed and breakfast place, and there's a mysterious stone building near their house, and one of the kids gets involved in uh, solving a little bit of a code and a mystery having to do with that, because, again, I like that kind of stuff. And then about a year after that, I'll have a book come out called The Hidden Workshop of Javier Preston, about a reclusive artist who lives in a town kind of like Savannah, Georgia, with all those very famous scenic town squares. And this man, he's in his 90s, and he's been putting out a diorama, a piece of a diorama for years and years. It's huge. It's become world famous. And there are two twins who have moved there with their parents to this town, and, and they learn something about this man that kind of connects with themselves, and they again, get involved in a little bit of mystery having to do with the town squares in that town like Savannah, Georgia. So these books are just a lot of fun for me to write, and I'm really excited to continue writing books for Holt McMillan and um, and to have these two additional middle-grade books coming out over the next couple of years. So my think? goal is to just keep writing more and more middle-grade books. I'm also trying to write books for adults as well, and I'll see where that takes me. But for now, I'm very content to to write books for uh, kids in the 8 to 12 range. Okay, what you described are two interesting themes or, or plots or settings. Um, how does the setting itself contribute? Now, for example, Winter House is a hotel, a mystical, magical hotel on a lake in the mountains, and it has all kinds of interesting things happen there. The next book you talked about is um, a family in the Northwest, and there's a, a stone cottage in the woods that uh, plays a role. And so we have a different, now we're in the woods. And then finally, you come up with this, uh, uh, this idea about an older man with a diorama in Savannah, Georgia, or a place like Savannah, Georgia, completely different setting. Yeah. Um, how do you come up with your settings or your ideas for books? Well, in traveling around a bit, uh, for instance, my wife and I were in Savannah uh, two or three years ago, and I was just really taken with the place. It's very different from where I live here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, these town squares, and you have the, uh, the Spanish moss from the oak, hanging off the oak trees, and it's very atmospheric and kind of spooky, and I kind of like that feeling. And I just had this thought that it would be interesting if there was a huge, enormous like art institute in the town, uh, kind of like Savannah, where this reclusive artist had lived way at the top of it for years and years, working on his craft there, and, and there's a mystery in these town squares. And, and the more I thought about it, that, that idea just kind of started to work inside of me, and, and I write down notes over many months, and I, I get ideas for the, the characters and, and the plot, and I just get lots of notes, and I put them together and put them together, and, and after quite a while, weeks or, or months or even years, I guess sometimes, a story starts to form in my head, and I put an outline together, and I go from there. But, but you're right, John, very much so. The, the setting plays a huge role for me, and I like thinking about kind of mysterious locations where 
your mind can kind of run to it and think, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what's going on over there. I wonder what's happening in, in that you know, huge old building or that old mysterious place over there in the woods. And, uh, and, and then from there you can kind of, kind of create a mystery or a story around that. You, you put a kid or two inside that who has an active imagination and they're, and they're very uh, industrious and spunky, and, and then you've got all the ingredients, I think, for a story, or at least the kind of story I like, I like to write. Now, Evelyn, uh, you've heard about these three different uh, settings for books. Uh, the one in Savannah, Georgia, the one in the with the stone cottage in the woods, and of course your your uh, book we're talking about now, which has the hotel in the middle of the mountains. Um, is, do those, is the place that you is that part of the romance, the interest of the book that you're reading? Yes, the hotel is like another character because it's so vivid in my mind and there's a lot of detail about all the all the books in the library and the fancy rugs and chandeliers and paintings now i i love to read and when i was a kid and and all the reading i've done i love about to read about different places that maybe i'll never get to go to uh in fact i read a book um, when I was a little bit older than you, uh, Evelyn, it was called Richard Halliburton's um, Marvels of the World. And it took me from uh, various different sites, from uh, a village in France to uh, Petra, the village uh, or the, the, city, the ancient city in, in Jordan that uh, is was featured in uh, one of the James Bond, I'm sorry, not James Bond, uh, uh, Indiana Jones movies. Um, but it takes me from place to place to place. And I love the idea that I can, in my mind, get to travel to those places and I save the airfare. I don't have to, I don't have to get jet lag. I can be there and feel what it's like. Uh, to be next to the pyramids. Do you ever think about that kind of thing too, Jessica, or pardon me, Evelyn? Yes, I do. Reading books takes you so many places, and you don't even have to buy a plane ticket for it. <laughs> well, I had a, a client who is also a computer guy, and he had years ago came up with the idea of putting... Uh, into computers um, for disabled children, um, visions of all the famous places in the world, the pyramids and whatnot. And this would be uh, a visual, it's computerized uh, travel, uh, so that even though they were kids who were uh, disabled, they couldn't walk or they they had, uh, they were uh, without hearing or, or some, some other difficult uh, condition, they could travel around the world and see all those magical, magical places. Um, unfortunately, he was not able to sell that to uh, Hollywood uh, at the time, but now Hollywood is doing that for kids, and I think that's a great thing. To be able to bring—this is a case where, you know, you're going to be able at some point— when you're older, Evelyn, you're going to be able to travel to many places and you're able to see them really. So you can go to Savannah and see what, uh, what Ben is talking about. And I've been to Savannah and I know what he's talking about. It's a very mysterious uh, town. Um, but all these different things will open up to you. But you're getting a chance with your books to prepare yourselves to appreciate all those fascinating things out there. Yes, and I have been to Savannah, and it's very beautiful, and I love it there. Yeah, there we go. Now we have another bond between the, between us. So now, yes. um, I want to take us one more step, and that is this. Uh, you're going to, I presume, as soon as you can, read the second uh, volume in the trilogy, right? Yes. All right. Now... What other things would you like to read about 
that you we haven't talked about today. You've talked about your interest in World War II. You've talked about your interest in Winter House uh, and in puzzles and uh, anagrams and whatnot, and learning from each of these uh, these books, these kinds of books. Uh, is there any other area that's out there that you want to, when you walk into a bookstore, you're going to start looking for? What do, you, what do you think you might be looking for next? I like reading books about, well, surviving in the woods and how to do that safely. And I also like, well, I like science fiction, and I just like books that have a good story, but not too much fantasy in it. Okay. Did you ever read any of the Harry Potter books? No, but that's a series I might want to read. Well, that's interesting because my daughter, uh, when she was a little bit older than you, but... uh, I kept trying to get her to read Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and she said, oh, no, Dad, that's, that's for kids. And, but as soon as she started reading them, holy mackerel, she just, I couldn't get her out of the chair to, to come to dinner uh, because she was engaged in reading so, so uh, completely. Um, I will tell you there's one other author you might want to look at, and both Ben and I have been uh, communicating about this, uh, an author by the name of Blue Balliot, who writes uh, stories which are somewhat like the book, the, the book that you're reading, Winter House. And um, there's uh, Chasing Vermeer is a book, and there's a book actually about our area in southwestern Michigan. But at any rate, she's a great writer, and I think that uh, uh, Ben would consider that her that also. Yes, um, that Chasing Vermeer, very acclaimed book, and uh, and she's quite a writer. And I, I, a lot of mystery in that book, and two kids who are trying to solve things, and they they really have to put their mind to a lot of things. They use these things called pentominoes, they're sort of like dominoes or mathematics, and so on. And yeah, you might really like that that book, Evelyn. And um, I'm sure there's lots of good ones out there that I'm sure you're aware of that, you know, your librarian or your parents, your friends uh, could steer you towards. Sounds like you've got plenty of in your stack of books to get to, so that's great. Yes. Do your parents, uh, Evelyn, do your parents ever say to you, Evelyn, stop reading, go outside, uh, play? Definitely. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> My parents did that to my brother and me uh, when we were growing up, and they we just we were completely zoned out. I mean, there was they could have been they could have been shouting at us, but they weren't. But we could have been. But we're so engaged in that book that we're reading. Oh, I loved reading. It took me to a whole new world. And yes. Now, do you have you like? However, you like to, uh, th- things like swimming and and tennis outside of uh, reading. So you're you're not just stuck in a house all the time uh, and uh, in a, plumped in a chair. You out actually get out and exercise, right? Yes, and I like reading outside too. Oh, okay. Well, that's good too. You can. I just today sat down and read a book, uh, sitting on a on a, the deck of our house and looking at the lake and. And reading a book, which is very absorbing. But at any rate, we're coming to the end of our time, and I want to thank both of you for joining me on With Respect. I hope that that uh, you found it as much fun as I did to see two parts of the equation of reading and the possibilities that flow when a person is able to express something in writing it, and then the person who reads it absorbs something or even something different from the book that they're reading that was originally put out. But it's, it's this growing, it's expanding people's minds that is so important and, frankly, so much fun. And so I thank both of you for being on the show and Ben, for all your work in writing. And Evelyn, you keep up your writing, your reading, and maybe you'll be a writer too someday. So, I hope so. I've even tried making a few 
books when I was younger. Most of them turned out to be a failure, but I keep trying. Good for you, Ben. Thank you very that's much. What, that's exactly what it takes. Thanks, Evelyn. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And, John, thanks so much for getting us together. The name of our program is With Respect. You're on every Saturday, Sunday, and Thursday. And until next time, remember our mantra, if you show respect to other people, they will show respect to you. 